Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, I'm Stephen. And I'm Helen. And welcome to the New Statesman podcast. For another special... Welcome to... Yeah, I know. Aren't we we're just drowning people in special it's issues? It's actually a bit like in the 70s when there was a massive period of economic crisis. Coincidentally, when we had only just joined the EU, i not suggesting anything, they kept having to do like multiple budgets because they kept being like, I know we thought we hadn't run out of money, but actually we, we have again. And basically that's what we're doing for podcasts. Well, the problem is that we're doing a podcast now on Monday afternoon and which we don't really know the fate of, of Jeremy Corbyn in the short to medium term, right? So the latest is that they've moved on to the sort of second tier of, of resignations. Quite, I think it was the t- end tally was 11 shadow cabinet members. 11. I mean, it's... It it's an, it's an interesting kind of philosophical question. Is it 12? Because obviously, t- notionally, Jeremy Corbyn sacked Hillary Benn, but it was very much a you're dumping me, I'm dumping you. But it's also a bit like thing. those things like, how do you count the 9-11 hijackers in the total number of dead? It becomes a very fraught kind of political question about whether or not people who get pushed. Whoa, and your emails about that analogy can <laughs> be sent to <laughs> Helen Dot. I know. Um, I'm going to try and bring Hitler in later as well. We'll see how that one goes. Um, so... You know, I I don't think we should make any kind of prediction about how that's going to go because Jeremy Corbyn is currently pretty steadfast about that, um, and there is a motion of no confidence for the PLP tonight, which tonight, is going to which is expected to pass. It's one of those weird things where I feel that the two things I know for certain about Labour politics are in variance. So the two things I know for certain are Jeremy Corbyn has this massive mandate; the Labour Party doesn't get rid of its leaders, and he would certainly win again. Right, that. Yeah, it's like gravity. But the other thing I know for certain is Tom Watson never loses in internal Labour battles, and so it's one of those things where it, it feels like, I, it feels like I'm. Oh, it's like whatever. modern physics, isn't it? Yeah. In that it works at a macro level, and then there's a completely different set of theories at a micro level, and no one's quite managed to mash the two together yet. Yeah, it is like it's literally the string theory of of internal Labour politics. Um, yeah, and, and and therefore no one understands it apart from three mathematicians in in California. Um, so let's let's look at the bigger question because I don't know about you, but I feel like a, like maybe releasing a bit of therapeutic anger on the podcast in the safety of the pod yeah. catacomb because I, I I not only have I had lots of people telling me not to be angry this weekend, but uh, I don't think you can run a political campaign based around massive whoppers and then expect people not to be angry in the same way that I think you know you and I have been quite angry over the past couple of years about George Osborne saying the most important thing in British politics is cutting the deficit and then consistently failing to cut the deficit and then kind of getting away with it I'm quite angry to have a a campaign that's been run on we need to give well for a start that we give 350 million a week to 
to Europe and then now that this can go with the NHS now that turns out to have actually well actually I think you'll find it's actually only a net figure so we need to talk about 100 million which was not something that was said prior to last Thursday night and actually we can't have it on the NHS anyway it was more of an aspiration it turns out surprise Ian Duncan Smith is not a, the biggest advocate of the National Health Service he wants to pump it full of cash I, I, I couldn't have foreseen this I could not have foreseen this yeah I think so. The thing I I found slightly maddening is this. Um, feels a lot of people I feel are angry with the wrong people, right? In that if you get your news through radio, and I know I keep boring on and on about the obsession with balance, but ultimately covering your news in a balanced way is not balanced. If someone makes something up and the other person says it's true, there's not there's not a middle ground. Uh, on the 350 million figure, it ju- was just a lie. There's not a middle ground uh, on the 75 million Turks who are going to get access to the single market. That's just a lie. I mean, I think the speech which I hope will live a long time and become politically influential is Ruth Davison's final speech in that debate. And yeah, then we have ultimately been had an economic disaster inflicted on this country on the back of deceit. And the consequences of that will not be paid by the top of Oleaf, who are now suggesting that we can actually, oh, maybe it wasn't really about immigration. As, well, that's what, because that's the, yeah. that's, that, yeah, there's this tactic in, in abuse that's called gaslighting, where you do something and then tell someone that it didn't happen. It's a kind of brutal psychological thing to do to people, because you're telling them essentially that their perception of reality is, is flawed. It's incredibly destabilising. So, yeah, Boris Johnson's Telegraph column says <laughs> it wasn't really about, this was actually about sovereignty whereas a month earlier he'd been saying people are very worried about immigration and you know that's something that we should take control over what did take control mean if not cut immigration it meant take control of immigration which people feels too high and bring it down it didn't mean take control of it as in slightly filters only a little tiny bit about what people are going to get yeah i mean i think the thing is, is it turns out actually it's not even going to mean that level of control the what what the Conservative Party appears to be unifying around, and again, as with all our emergency podcasts, rather like emergency budgets, they are... Tomorrow it might be something different. Tomorrow it could be something very different. <laughs> yeah. But they appear to be coagulating around... Uh, we should, the... We start calling it Norway Plus, because it's kind of like the deal that Norway's got, but loads of extra great stuff too, and none of the bad things like paying into the EU budget. I, mean, I think basically Norway Plus is what they're they're going to... So sort of decide they're for, and then when they will get Norway or probably even Norway minus, um, just, you know, because obviously the EU has a vested interest in deterring people from... Well, this is a bit I don't get, is the sort of bizarre uh, exceptionalism of thinking that there aren't any other countries in the EU that also have elections or also have electorates. So why you would think that if you're Angela Merkel, you know, Angela Merkel is going to be able to go back and sell having given Britain an amazing deal that has everything that they want and none of the things that they didn't want, no compromise at all, that she can sell that to her electorate. It's, I find that boggling. Yeah, I, I think that that is kind of... And, and it's a weird kind of um, Cameron-era conservative delusion, right? If you look through diaries from the Thatcher period or from the Blair and Brown government, they, they, you know, they stayed up all night to find out if their allies abroad would be re-elected. And there was a... And because they knew that they needed them. Whereas Cameron, of course, spent five years talking about the problems of the 2004 accession states, there was never any attempt to work out what could be given to the 2004 accession states in order to get them to agree some kind of limit on free movement. I mean, spoiler alert, there isn't one, but there was there was never even an attempt to get to that second part. And now the Conservatives who look most likely to replace David Cameron similarly seem to believe that everyone else in the EU doesn't have their own electorate, is going to definitely turn around and go, 
Because, I mean, that's the thing about a movement break. There is nothing Britain can give the governments of Poland, Spain, Latvia, etc., etc., that would ever make up for having to go to their own voters and go, by the way, you can't go to the United You can't make yourself richer by by spending a couple of years working in Britain. Do you know what I find very helpful in this time of trouble? Listening to the King George songs from Hamilton. Which are all basically on on exactly this theme of like you you know you'll you know you'll miss me when you're gone like your what comes next is all about you won't have anyone else to blame now like you're on your own and I feel that 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 is kind of my my metaphor of the week for what the situation that Britain is in now you think everything's going to be brilliant because like we've 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 thrown off the yoke of the hated Brussels oppressor well yes and no they, the terrifying thing is I think they will fly. I think so. I think the problem is I think they will find somewhere someone else to blame. Um, it will either be they're trying to do it a little bit with Cameron, Fraser Nelson in a spectacular display of disingenuousness, claiming that uh, no one could have foreseen that Cameron would resign, which is strange. I struggle to get to the end of The Spectator, but I don't edit it. Um, I, I find it remarkable to learn that its editor, uh, in fact, also has that problem because I've read in The Spectator several times that Cameron would resign if there was an outvote. I mean, honestly, how dare these people? Like, I did feel a bit of a strange pang when I watched Boris Johnson and Michael Gove on Friday morning looking like, you know, they were attending the funeral of a close friend, being like, well, obviously, you know, we're very sad to see Cameron go. And like, but this is what you want? This is what you knew this would happen? There's no, he, you know, he made it very, very clear that he wouldn't stay on, just as with Scottish independence, had he lost that referendum, he wouldn't have stayed on. But this is the this is the pro cake and pro having it and pro eating it kind Can of thing. We talk line, about Corbyn it? just because it's less depressing. It's it's not though, is it? <laughs> no, I think the thing is right. So with with the the kind of Corbyn coup, I can see two options, right? Either Corbyn stays, he consolidates around a smaller but more loyal shadow cabinet, and that would be more stable than what yep. what we have now. Um, which in many ways would mean that it would be hard for anyone, whatever the outcome of the elections, to come to argue that he hadn't had a a fairer whack at it. Or Corbyn could be deposed, uh, an interim leader like Tom Watson or someone else, or perhaps even someone sort of younger and more exciting like Lisa Nandy could come in. There'll be people who'll be unhappy about both of those things, but I do not foresee a scenario in which any of those leads to violence in the streets. No, that is very true. Whereas... Whereas saying that, you know, it's all the fault of Polish people. Well, we know that already the Polish centre in Hammersmith got attacked over the weekend. That's somewhere that Polish World War Two veterans who fought alongside us in, in World War Two, uh, you know, go for coffee and a, a crumpet, which I think is just... It, it speaks to, I know it's only a few idiots, but it speaks to a feeling of jingoism and a feeling of that Britain is, you know, R- Britannia ruling the waves and we don't need anybody else. We're better than everyone else. That I find... I, don't, I find very distasteful. Yeah, whereas that, that thing is just so... And it feels that... So a, a couple of things will happen. Either we will go for the full fat version of Brexit. That was, hush your mouth, all of you, like Fraser Nelson, Tim Montgomery, Douglas Carswell. That was the version you campaigned and won on. Yeah. And, you know, don't, don't try telling me you didn't have sexual relations with that woman uh, now. Um, Surely sexual relations with that poster, that three hundred and fifty yeah. million pound, or, the, or that leaflet that I got through my door, you got through your door, which said that Turkey's going to accede, and also Syria and Iraq yeah. were the other were the only two countries that were named in that, the one that Sadiq Khan brandished at that Wembley debate. Yeah. So you either keep that promise, which means that you have a hard border between Ireland and the Republic. It means that. Uh, Britain's financial services, uh, which make up 7% of our GDP, are knackered. It means a prolonged, painful and very sharp recession. 
very painful, sharp recessions tend to lead to uh, violent reaction and the rise of organised uh, fascism. Or you have an EEA deal, which is a betrayal of uh, many of the people who voted Leave, including some of the poorest and most desperate people in British society. Betraying some of the poorest and most desperate people in society tends to lead to violent reaction on the streets and fascism. Well, here's another thing that I don't understand in a kind of sort of bizarre, oh, is this what was going to happen moment? Is the is Scotland uh, and Nicola Sturgeon coming out saying, you know, I think this is a big enough change for a second referendum. That's what we want to go for. And seeing again, um, you know, maybe we should get Fraser on this podcast to talk about it because I think, you know, somebody who said they would vote Labour if that was what it took to keep the union together has now advocated the one thing that was most likely to break apart the union because we all, you know, Scotland voted 60-40 to stay in the European Union. Every single local authority there was a majority for staying in. Of course, that's not the deal that they want. They also don't want Tory governments that they feel that they don't vote for. And I think that, you know, the idea that you would, you would say that the union matters to you above anything else and then not, it, it turns out, above Europe. And I agree, I agree with you about Ireland and Northern Ireland. This is astonishing. It's got so little play during the campaign. And when people talk about the Westminster bubble, this is a very good example of it, right? It It is as if Northern Ireland wasn't a, a problem. There's just no, there's, everyone's sort of, it'll all be sort of sorted out in some way. We won't need to talk about that. But this is a country that is only 20 years post-conflict, you know there are you know there are still there are still ministers who are northern Ireland ministers who still have police protection today because of of the troubles. Yeah, uh, it's it's it seems amazingly complacent to think that that's something that was just a small bureaucratic problem. Yeah, I think that's the bit of the referendum campaign. Then, I mean, I was going to say that's the bit which stays with me. To be honest, I think that probably this referendum campaign will stay with me until I either die or finally give over to dementia. But. Um, it's the irresponsibility of the Secretary of State for Northern Ireland campaigning. I mean, actually, to be honest, in terms of holding uh, that part of the United Kingdom together, I think it would have been slightly irresponsible for the Secretary of State to campaign very prominently for in. But you have a situation in which the fairly clear expressed will of Northern Ireland was to stay in. That was clear from the polling and it was clear from the result. It also will be a disaster. But, you know, kind of, if you wanted to campaign for Brexit on a kind of touchy-feely libertarian opening the borders, brilliant, good luck, it would have got 15% of the vote. But the, but the, the model that they campaigned for and they won public consent for, yeah, I mean... Pulling up the drawbridge. Yeah, pulling up the drawbridge. Why not just run on a platform of just moving people to Northern Ireland, getting them to wear, like, lots of orange, and then just start throwing firecrackers in the air. I mean, just the irresponsibility of it and the fact that these these people who honk on about how much they care about the union, it turns out they literally only care about the union and the rise of, of populism when it's a couple of angry people on Twitter who care about Scottish independence. They really don't care about it if it is the only bit of the United Kingdom which actually has a, a recent history of paramilitary violence. I actually cannot believe the audacity of the right in this country. What I think has been really interesting, and I've, I find a small scintilla of comfort, is, is is some of the right on right kind of barrages. Right, I feel that sorry, there's far too many uses of the word right, but I feel that it is it is a, a defining moment for the right, just as much as it is one for the left, and that there are plenty of people on the right who I actually have more respect for than I did. They might disagree with me on economics, they might disagree with me on on social issues but they are fundamentally in the same place this is echoing what you kind of talked about in your cover story last week about open versus closed right mm. and the thing is i don't I, I don't have a problem with the idea that you there are communities which have suffered 
as a result of, of immigration or have suffered neglect by the government. I think that is the thing I would always come back to. I always think this is a domestic problem with a domestic solution. But the fact is that, yeah, places like Grimsby, things are, times are really hard. They don't necessarily feel they've come out of the recession mm. yet. And that is something that is a political problem that our politicians should have been able to solve rather than throwing up their hands in the air and saying that, you know, the, the grand cake day that awaits on Independence Day... Talking of which, did you see someone had a great post on Twitter about, yeah, you know what, Nigel Farage, loads of other countries have an Independence Day. And they just posted a list. And of course, everyone else's Independence Day is independence from us. Yeah. Well, yeah, it does feel like we've uh, seen uh, so so many other nations we used to run made such a, a fuss about wanting to become a developing economy. We've decided to dip our toes in that little pool ourselves. Uh, we, I promise we will get more cheerful as the... I don't. Do you? I reckon it'll get to a new normal. I mean, so for also, I'm hoping at some point. I didn't know what my the sound of me mirthlessly laughing sounded like uh, last Thursday, and now I think I do it at least four times a day. I mean, sometimes you just you just absorb. I mean, just how awful everything is, and it just. I think the thing. I think the, the thing that's really awful is that we don't know the awfulness yet, right? So people kind of say, "Well, why do lefties care about the markets?" Well. I care about the markets because people's pension funds are in, invested in them. Yeah. Um, you know, why do you care about sterling? Well, I care about that because people, you know, might want to be able to buy, buy stuff, might want to go on foreign holidays. Those are not ridiculous aspirations for, for people who, you know, maybe only get to take one holiday a year on, on Ryanair. It's going to be harder for them to go to, you know, spend a week in Spain or something like that. You know, those are not, you know, all the fundamentals of a, of a life that feels like it's got some joy in it. I think people are entitled to those and, that, and all of those things have become harder since since friday morning and also we've stress tested so many times the idea that bad recessions will will lead to the collapse of capitalism it doesn't it just leads to the collapse of the working standards and hopes of thousands of people and and you know and then actually the rich insulate themselves they create enough ways to lie i mean that that to me is i mean there are i would say there are so many terrifying aspects but my instinct is what will happen is we'll have a situation in which Boris will will negotiate some form of EEA type deal that will allow them to cobble together forty percent of the vote of core conservatives, uh, middle class Remainers who want to keep their Erasmus schemes, their au pairs, whatever, etc., etc. Uh, it will lead to huge disillusionment and anger in uh, you know places like Hull, where I visited, in Sunderland, in, you know, in Salford, places which have been hugely thankful and reliant upon. EU funding, particularly during times of conservative governments, um, but we Wales. know, yeah, let's Wales, forget Wales. But, but we know that these are all parts of the of the country that conservative governments in the past have been perfectly. I mean, it just will be the Thatcher model on on steroids, won't it? Disillusionment and awfulness in the north and Wales. Instead of Scotland becoming a country which is ignored, it will simply become another country that we ignore and probably continually try to knacker their attempts to build any social democratic government by uh, continually lowering our 50p rate and so on and so forth. Well, that's one of the things that you said beforehand, and I think is kind of is looking more at what comes to pass, is about the sort of idea of Britain becoming a tax haven. You know, this regulatory regime that is being talked about is not necessary. I would say it's unlikely to be one which further strengthens workers' rights, and it's also unlikely one that is further going to be redistributive in terms of, of taxes, right? It will all be about trying to tempt financial services, which would otherwise headquarter elsewhere because they'd like to be inside Europe, because to come and, and and have a lighter regulatory environment in in London, we have this is the sort of Singapore idea or the Hong Kong idea, I guess. Mm. Switzerland without as many trams. 
Yeah, I don't know if you've been to Switzerland. I haven't. I've, I've seen photos of trams. Lovely country. Slightly alarming social kind of thing going on there like they only give women the vote in the 1970s uh obviously they've got a lot of nazi gold uh that they're very keen not to give up uh and you know lovely cantons great lovely mountains good sound like a bunch of cantons (laughs) i'm sorry but i don't Um, yeah i don't think it's somewhere that um has it is particularly um welcoming to social progressives let me put it that way okay well i will uh i I mean as much as i like a good tram i will um yeah. Gen- gently put it down off my farewell tour of places I'm going to visit this is in the Europe. Pro- this is the problem. I... We've been talking about all these models. You know, Switzerland, we, was it like six years that it took them to negotiate the, the membership of, of EU science schemes? You know, some of the things like for, for universities, this is, a, this is, you know, some things like cancer research funding, this is a really serious moment for, for them. Norway, similarly, which is, you know, our, our model, is what, five million people live in Norway? Yeah. Again, very lovely public transport system. Oslo, a beautiful city. I can highly recommend it to you in the summertime. Rains a bit in the north, snows a bit in the further north. But it's a very small country with a very... Snows in the summer? There is bits of it that are in the Arctic Circle. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, So, you know, it's a very small population and it's got a, you know, it's a lot... Fishing is a really big industry there and it's not got a, you know, it's not got a city of London, surprisingly enough. Yeah. Yeah, and also I think the other thing that many people seem to be willfully ignoring is that Switzerland and Norway negotiated their deals after their political leadership had tried and failed to take Britain in to take their countries into the European Union. We're negotiating it after a period in which our political leadership has quite literally lied in order to to take us out, has traduced the reputations of many of the politicians who we are now relying on the goodwill of. I mean, it's basically like attempting saying, oh, well, it's fine if I get divorced. I'll have the same relationship with my ex as I yeah. did, did with my flatmate. Yeah, you wrote a great kind like... of um, column about this. It's about the idea of saying, well, I think actually probably I should sleep with other people, but you you shouldn't. And But I, I sort of want to live here, and, and can you still cook me dinner? Yeah. Um, you know, but and I'm not really going to give you any child support, but yeah, but can we just be friends, really? But, you know, I just think it's it's... Madness, um, Stephen. I think that's probably it for today, isn't it? We'll probably probably do another podcast tomorrow when four hundred more million uh, shadow ministers have resigned. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I, I, I sort of feel like there's no point, and we could talk about the new shadow cabinet. But let's face it. Let, I don't know if they're going to be the new shadow cabinet at the end of the week. So. Oh, actually, you know the one thing we can, can still talk about, which is going to be a slight lighter note. I keep uh, kind of almost getting like wavy vision at the thought of how badly things have got gone for David Cameron. It's just one that, no, like, I mean, obviously, in many ways, he is by f- far and away, you know, the smallest uh, victim of, uh, of of everything that's happened. But what is he going to do for the rest of his life? He can't give like, le- you know, how, like usually prime ministers give speeches about like global leadership. I mean, he is literally the guy who took his country out of the EU by mistake, so he can't like yeah, do that. Yeah, but I know exactly what he's going to do. He's going to go to rural Oxfordshire. He's going to become a like a gentleman farmer. He's run, you know, Sam will run an organic dairy shop. He's going to get enormously fat, start wearing yellow cords, and probably accidentally shoot a burglar. That's the that's the life that I have planned out for him. I think it's sadder for George Osborne because George Osborne's future career plan presumably was to go on to be on the board of loads and loads of city firms and give extraordinarily expensive twenty grand a pop speeches about you know how you take a country through a financial crisis, and you know people will pay money for old rope, but I'm not sure I I can see a lot of city firms will desperately want to hear the man who you know ruined the environment in which they established their businesses lecture them on how to be successful. 
Yeah. Nigel Farage's next step is, is fascinating. So Paul Nuttall was on Question Time last night saying, well, of course, we don't need to disband UKIP. Uh, you know, there's lots more work for us to do. Well, Jean-Claude Juncker has said basically all the other MEPs are welcome to stay until the time is served. But given that all the UKIP MEPs have been useless anyway and have worked from the inside to bring it down, couldn't they go, you know, I was about to say a, a quote from the thick of it, but I won't for our clean rating. And, you know, couldn't they say by now, stop claiming your enormous allowances? So I think, this, you know, Nigel Farage has lost £78,000 a year job or £72,000 a year. His wife, who works for him, has also lost her salary. He's lost a huge amount of allowances. Um, you know, actually, UKIP's finances are are a really big question now. I mean, Aaron Banks is not flavour of the month with anybody in the soft Tory side. And it will be in the Tory party's interest to crush UKIP as hard as they possibly can now and paint them actually as they're the unacceptable way. They're the ones who said all the stuff about immigration. We had this, like, liberal plan that was about sovereignty. Yeah. Yeah. I always say after every reshuffle, it's very sad when people lose their jobs through no fault of their own. And I do feel very sorry for everyone who works for an MEP... Apart from UKIP's MEPs, I'm quite glad that they are going to do their jobs. Yeah, I hope I, I hope that they, they, they escape from the bubble, as they've wanted to for so long, and they go and work alongside proper, ordinary, hard-working people. Yeah. Well, actually, the other interesting thing about MEPs, which hostages to fortune things, we don't know how this coup is uh, going to play out, there are 20 Labour MEPs who have nominating rights. As you can imagine, they are... Not, angry yeah they are fairly fairly unhappy about how things have, have panned out but the interesting question is does that make them less likely to nominate jeremy corbyn because there is a lot of blame towards uh him uh and his conduct during the referendum campaign from that quarter or are they keen to get jobs in westminster as mps which means they want to curry favor with labor party members they want to what? do an andy burnham yeah, as i think yeah, we now exactly. call it watch that space well yeah it's interesting because they don't they're not afraid of momentum but they are afraid of but then, let's be reasonable. At the next election, do you think Labour are going to be gaining a lot? Are there going to be a lot of seats in which you can fight as a Labour candidate who's not currently in place and Labour gains? I think... Yeah, but some people might decide to retire. True, true. Um, but also, if boundary changes come in, there'll be lots of current MPs who'll also be... I mean, who needs knows? This is the thing I think it's fascinating. Do you remember about all the other areas of policy that we, you know, we used to care about? Do you remember like that there was this thing called the health service and the junior doctors contracts? And yeah. do you remember there was a big decision about an airport at Heathrow, plan to academise prisons? You know, all, there's quite a lot going on that we haven't really talked about or had any movement on really for for three months or so. Yeah, it's true. Well, anyway, I think the big. Let's talk about the biggest victim here, which is our summers. After having spent last summer trapped in a, an airless office. I think we're going to spend another one covering a Tory leadership election, maybe even another Labour leadership election. Yeah, well... It's... Won't someone think of the live bloggers? Won't someone think of the live bloggers? Anyway, back soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You 
You've been listening to the New Statesman podcast presented by me, Helen Lewis, with Stephen Bush. Our producer is India Bork and our music is Devil with the Devil by the Underscore Orchestra, licensed under Creative Commons. You can find us on iTunes or at newstatesman.com forward slash podcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.